Content warning. On this podcast, we discuss grown-up issues, including but not limited to swearing, tasteless jokes, mentions of drug use, and situations of a sexual nature. This podcast is not intended for children. Hello and welcome to Bibliorex. I am Bugs. And I'm Bam Bam, and I'm brain-melted today. It's hot out there, isn't it? Also, I listen to a real dumb podcast, and I'm just, uh, I've got a terrible sense of humor today, and it doesn't, it's just nothing. Hey, bring all of that to this book, because you will need it. Can't wait. You will desperately need it. Mm. So, have you read any Orson Scott Card books? Just uh, three or four of the Seventh Son series. Okay, and that's the one where he is doing, he wanted it to be an American mythology. He wanted to do for the Americas what Tolkien did for Great Britain. And so he has his, everyone has their like little sort of magical abilities. What do they call them? Um, uh, talents or? Yeah, I think it's talent. I keep wanting to say quirks, but that's... Uh... I, know it has, I know he has a specific term for it. Hmm. So today we are actually reading one of Orson Scott Card's first novels, A Planet Called Treason, and it was published in 1979. He was born in 1951, so he was really young. He wrote and published this. Mm -hmm. And in fact, if you look at most of his bibliographies, they completely ignore this book. Mm. (laughs) Most of them just start out with Ender's Game in 1984 Mm. and only focus on Ender's Game and that series. That does not bode well. No. And I have read a lot of his books. Mm. Dozens. I went through a couple of years where I read every one of his books I could get a hold of at the library on um, Overdrive, which is the library for audiobooks. Mm. I read a lot. And so when I have my criticisms of him as an author, it's coming at it from I've read, you know, Ender's Game and a bunch of those books, but I've also read his Seventh Son series and some of his other work. Mm. So I'm coming in with a long-term bias mm. against this author, but I also really do appreciate the stuff he does well. Yeah, a lot of mixed and, feelings. Yeah, because I'm a fan. I actually am a fan. Mm. And I've read a lot of his stuff, but I also really, really hate some of the things he does poorly. Yeah. So A Planet Called Treason, it's a complex novel, but we only have one point of view. Hmm. Uh, our protagonist is named Lanik. We find out that he is 15 years old, but the author writes him like he's a very experienced 25-year-old. Hmm. So you're meant to believe that this society, you become a man when you're 12 and you start having babies when you're 15. Hmm. And he he gives this protagonist a worldly wise persona but he's still an immature 15 year old yeah is that that that's a mormon thing like marrying too young yes usually the girls yeah that that comes up a little later of Mm. the idea because lanik thinks that 14 is of age and the person he's speaking to is horrified and says 16 is of age what (laughs) (laughs) that's like that's like i think it was like uh 
the U.S. Post or some newspaper or something like that called out Taco Bell for 60% of their taco meat was made out of horse. Uh-huh. And they were like, no, it's more like 40. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Yep. Pretty much. So... I thought when I first read the book that this guy was like 25 or 30 Mm -hmm. because he's written from this, I'm in a grown up, I'm an adult, I have a girlfriend who's pregnant, I'm heir to the throne. That's such a weird character to be writing for. And then later you find out, no, he's 15. He doesn't have a beard. Okay. So this is all to set the scene for you. Ah. We open on Lannick in a room with a physician who announces that Lannick has ovaries, as well as breasts. Because uh, he hasn't hit puberty yet. No, because he's a radical regenerative who grows extra body parts. Oh. That's literally how the book starts. That's page one. He has a slim, muscular body, uh-huh. big, big biceps, and, he's growing and like a boob out of melons. <laughs> So and they're they're in the anatomically correct place. Yes. Like I was just imagining him just growing like a random boob out of his shoulder or something. No, he has two huge boobs and he is apparently so pretty he can be mistaken as a girl. Um, he has very short hair, but you look at him and he could look like a girl and he has humongous tits. So <laughs> and apparently he also has the ovaries. And no matter how many many times they cut out the ovaries, they're going to grow back because he's a radical regenerative. That's so can. Okay. I don't know what to. That's a lot. That's a lot for a first page. First page one. Yes. Uh. So then we get a little history of what in the hell is going on here. He is from a family, a country, and a capital named Mueller. Uh. So his name is Lannick Mueller. He is the son of the king. The Mueller's have bred themselves through interbreeding and genetic manipulation over 3,000 years to grow, to heal very quickly like Wolverine. What? They show grief and upset by stabbing themselves through the hand or slitting their wrists because their wounds heal within minutes. Interbreeding, like, is that like clan interbreeding or is that- Yes. In inbreeding. No, it's inbreeding. Okay. It's within this one family. Right. Who are descended from a geneticist. And over the years, interbreeding, inbreeding basically, yeah. within their family got them better and better at healing. But some of them are radical regenerative, which means they grow extra limbs. They become intersex like him. And those people are called rads. And they're put in pens, fed from troughs, <laughs> and the extra body parts are cut off. They're used as animals. <laughs> they're named Rads. That's such an awful name for... This is Rad, man. Like, hey, man, you're Rad. Get in the cage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, apparently, Lanik woke up with this pair of breasts, like... And overnight, and they hurt just existing on his chest. He goes to run out of the room, and they jostle, and he stops and gasps from pain. And his nipples hurt from being touched by fabric, 
he boobs boobly. <laughs> As apparently Orson Scott Card thinks that being a woman means your breasts are on fire at all times. Oh, God. That is wild as hell. I really don't. I got nothing. That. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. So the Mueller family is the small-ish kingdom of people who fight. They train with weapons all the time. Mm -hmm. And so he is kind of like this medieval king's son who is super strong and super fast and good with spears and swords. And he's the best fighter of them all. He's the best general, the best soldier, the smartest man. He's so strong because of all the inbreeding. Yes. So (laughs) the fact that he has ovaries means he can no longer be a Mueller and they're going to either put him in the pens or kill him. Are there no female Mueller's? There are, but because he has ovaries, that makes him no longer a man. He's now intersex and that makes him weak and useless because women are weak and useless. What the Except to have babies. Okay. So, like, in a world that was aware of that really inbred King Louis, the friend, the it was a French king, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, in a world where that had already existed and everyone knew about it for like a hundred years and thinking that all this inbreeding uh, could... Results in anything good. Yeah. So Lanik goes from the physician and the physician says, I have to tell your father. Like no one noticed that he had honking boobs. <laughs> You have to stop referring to him as the boy with honk and boobs. But that's what he is for the first half of the book, man. I know, but I have to keep laughing at it every time you say it, and we'll never get anywhere. It's okay. It's fine. I'm just going to keep talking while you snort That's fine. So Lanik goes and looks at the pens, which are basically like a field of grass with like fencing. Mm -hmm. And these monstrous men are lumbering around with extra limbs. One has an extra head, and they eat food out of troughs. And those are the people that they cut up, and they put their organs on the ambassador to sell off world for iron. Hmm. So the reason it's a planet called Treason is 3,000 years ago, a group of 80 families tried to create an oligarchy slash tyrannical government of elites over the masses. So the tyrannical democratic masses put all 80 families onto a spaceship and launched them to a planet without iron. That's why it's a planet called Treason, because this was a family, this was a, a ship full of treasonous, extremely academically gifted families. <laughs> it's like if you took a college. Uh-huh. And you took all of the people, all of the professors in every department, but these were the cream of the crop, the most intellectually smart people in existence. You packed up them up in their families and you put them on a spaceship. They're the ones who who reproduced and made these people mm-hmm. 3,000 years later. Allegedly the smartest. Best. Yes. Inbred. So Mueller is descended from a geneticist. 
and I'm pretty sure actually a eugenicist. Yeah. The- <laughs> who wanted to create Ubermen. Okay. And so that's how they have achieved white blonde hair, very tall and muscular supermen who can regrow themselves like Wolverine. They can regrow limbs like Deadpool, but apparently some of them are cursed with radical regeneration, which results in extra limbs and extra organs. So is this like a, it's kind of like a form of cancer, right? Or Kind of. It's like a, an ostracized can like, like your, your, one of your children gets cancer. So you sit them mm-hmm. out in the field and. Yep. And you that, just cut okay. off the extra body parts and put them on the grill. Let's see. Is there like some kind of symbolism going on there? Or no. Just weird. Just weird. Okay. So here's the quote from and the ambassador is like this metal machine that sends stuff to outer space to that other planet. Put an arm in the ambassador, and in half an hour, a pound of iron appears on the dancing light grill. Put living frozen sex organs on the grill, and five pounds of iron replaces it. How many arms and legs and eyes and livers must we give before we have enough iron to make one starship? Why are genitals more valuable than arms in this I don't know, and it's never explained. Like, it's not like a weight thing. No, it's not also, a weight what thing. Also, what uh, maybe it comes up later, but what, what the hell does the ambassador want with limbs? So each family, or each country in uh. this world, has an ambassador, which is this machine. Okay. Each family shoves stuff into it over the centuries, and then they finally figure out what will give them iron. Nobody tells them what the people from the other world want. They finally put a human limb in it and get iron. And they're Uh, like, oh, great, human limbs will give us iron. The other families put other things in their ambassadors. Oh, so not all of them are paying literal human flesh to get metal. Right. But you you would think, hey, if human sex organs give you iron, why wouldn't you just conquer your enemies, cut them up, and put them in? A whole man would give you hundreds of pounds of iron yeah so i think i think orson scott card is trying to show that the Mueller's are moral by the fact they're only selling excess human flesh that come from bodies they own themselves basically and at some point okay the rads are described as hideous monsters. Mm-hmm. They're treated as animals. Yeah. But they are also explained as knowing they have a noble purpose for growing these limbs to put in the ambassador. But you know what they use the iron for? They use them to make swords. And they use those swords to go enslave the countries around them. And they bring home slaves. They're not building well, anything. So you could just cut up your prisoners of war and just get a lot more iron a lot more quickly yeah but no they they literally have little black slaves from neighboring kramer oh boy and lanik is shown to be a good master because he doesn't smack the little girl when she saw him being upset he pats her on the head when she bends over to receive his blow Uh. so he's a good slave master (laughs) 
hasn't done a damn thing about whoever has clearly been clearly been hitting this girl. But oh no, yeah. and his his dad is a really good king. Yeah. They're really good good right, people. Right. So he has to go and um, face his dad, and his dad is very upset because Lanik's younger brother Dente now has to be the heir because no one will follow a man with breasts and uh ovaries into battle they hate women in this country Mm -hmm. they just hate women yeah so lanik's father makes him swear loyalty he kneels he swears loyalty to dente and then dente and the other family get sent out and lanik's father says is very sad that his son who i quote Never in 3,000 years of Mueller has there been a mind like yours, in a body like yours, a man truly fit to lead men, and now the body is ruined. Because of all this woman in in this body. (laughs) You know, and and if Orson Scott Card wasn't a dumb 18-year-old when he wrote this, he would have paid attention to the fact that ovaries and estrogen make you softer. They make you more motherly, more maternal. He would have had hips. He would have had soft fat around his belly. He would have have become more feminine, more kind, more gentle. But instead, and and you'd think this family who'd had all these problems would Mm. have found a way to make people still be acceptable, even Mm -hmm. with being intersex. Yeah, gosh, I mean, you can't, other than the breasts, I mean, I mean, no one's going to be able to see that he has ovaries. Right, and they do surgeries to remove excess limbs all the time. Yeah. They're just going to grow back. And also, biologically, like, you can, like, there, there's People no People get re- top surgery all the time. Yeah, I mean, there's that, but. <laughs> Augmentation, reduction, mm. all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And this is like, they have super physicians who can manipulate your body in all different kinds of ways. Yeah. Or just like, like there's got to be like some kind of hormone or something like that acting on his body to give him breasts. Like they could just give him some kind of medication to suppress it. You would think, you would think that they have all of this technology and they could figure out a way to reduce that or change it. Mm. No, that is one of these innate problems of being a radical regenerative Mm. is you keep growing new body parts and it doesn't ever stop. And that's why they live in pens and get cut up to be used in the ambassadors. It's either that or the um, sweet release of death. They're not given lives. They're not given names. They're not given any humanity. Mm. They are seen as non, no longer human. Right. So Lanik is disinherited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just going to say, I'm just imagining like, <laughs> like just seeing a bunch of people standing out in the field, but from like the thighs up, they're just covered in dicks. <laughs> Oh, oh dear, bam, bam. <laughs> that happens. Oh, of course it does. But the they're at their front. B- they're at their belly. They have multiple sets of genitals. Okay. One has three boobs. <laughs> of course, the stupidest thing I could possibly think of is in this yes. book. Yes, yes. So the king is forced to disinherit Lanik. Mm-hmm. But he has a secret mission that he needs Lanik to go on. Mm-hmm. Lanik needs to go to a country called Nkumi and 
And <laughs> what? <laughs> Son, I need you to <laughs> stand still while I take a picture of your honking bazongas so I can send them to my friends. <laughs> They make multiple <laughs> jokes about how nobody would talk to him except to call him to bed because oh he's such a pretty girl now. That's horrific. Yep, because now he's pretty as a whore. Oh, God. Yeah. 15-year-old boy. 15-year-old mm, yeah. boy. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so, uh, the Nkumi are described as a kingdom of tree-dwelling savage blacks and animals. Oh, okay. That, but they must have something of valuable, uh, something of value to put in the ambassador, because right. they have a ton of iron. They can give their common soldiers iron swords. So he, Lanik, is on a mission to spy on the Nkumi. Find out how they're what they're trading to get all their iron. Yes, I feel like this is kind of. <sighs> the I feel like whatever it is they're putting in there, it's racist. Oh, yeah. Yeah, It is. They're basically the noble savage in the entire book. Hmm. So they have something of value, and Lanik's mission is to go find that out, return, tell his dad, and then maybe he'll be able to work as a spy or, like, live in obscurity at home or something. Um, he knows that they're going to kill the baby in his girlfriend's belly because it'll probably be a rat as well. But he just tells her, no, you can't come with me and leaves her. Knocks her out, leaves her in the, in the barn. He knocks her out? Yeah, he smashes her with the back of his gun. Or not gun, bloody hell. He like hits her with his sword so she gets knocked out so she can't follow him because she wants to go with him. She's now a pariah because her boyfriend is disinherited. Mm. No one else is going to sleep with her. And she is a useless teenage girl now. She's also regenerative, but not a radical regenerative so she slits her wrists in sorrow and the bleeding will make her sick for a few days uh, so there's levels of regrowth among right. these people yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he and his dad heal instantly like you can watch the wounds heal uh-huh. so quickly okay so he is getting ready to leave. She, he doesn't want her to come with him. He goes to bed to sleep and leave in the morning. He wakes up with his throat cut from ear to ear and his larynx cut out. But because he's a rad, he leans over the bed and lets the blood pour out of his throat so he can keep breathing. Right. And he waits for a few minutes until it's stitched up enough to breathe, norm- breathe be normal again. But he can't talk because he doesn't still doesn't have his larynx. So he goes and he realizes, oh, there's no guards because they're trying to kill me. They're slicing my throat. They tried to assassinate and failed. You'd think they would know how to actually murder one of their own. Yeah. So he picks up his bags. He goes down to the barn. This is when she follows him. Please take me with you. And he can't talk anymore. So he just knocks her out. Leaves her in a bail. Okay. Yeah, so he's getting ready to run away. So he's going on his mission, and he's also running away from assassins. So he hops on his horse, Hitler, and brings Himmler, the other horse, with him. Why are his horses (laughs) named Himmler and Hitler? I don't know. I don't know, Bam Bam. I don't know. Why is it? I thought it would be explained by the end of the book. It is not. 
the thing that bothers me about the most about uh, these horse names, uh, it, it's not even the most shocking thing I, I've heard about this anymore. This is a very busy story. Well, I think three, four pages into the book. Oh, my God. Which is why I'm so sorry that I have, how many did I say? 26 pages. Of oh, notes. my God. But they're like the smaller notepad. So it's like, that's about 13. Uh, I'm sorry. I uh, tried to skip as much as I can. Uh, I try to. Oh I tried. I have to develop a drug habit. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I need to be inundated with opium <laughs> for this. Don't go Robert Edmonds uh, on me. <laughs> you're driving, driving me to this. You know who else names their horses after uh, war criminals? De despots and war criminals? <laughs> <laughs> My mom. <laughs> <laughs> it's supposed to be a your mom joke, not a my mom well, joke. Well, your mom doesn't have any horses, does she? <laughs> uh, these ads. <laughs> Hello, Biblio freaks, geeks, and lovers. Bugs here with a couple of notes. We have a Patreon where every month we focus on a bad book, bad movie combo. Please leave comments and suggestions on our Facebook page or email us at biblioRex at gmail.com. That's spelled B-I-B-L-I-O-W-R-E-C-K-S at gmail.com. We are on all the socials at Bibliorex. Thank you so much for being here, and I hope you are enjoying these bad books as much as we are. <sighs> okay. Okay, quick aside. I wrote it in my notes later. I'll mm. just pull it in now. I think this is supposed to be post-Earth. I think this is supposed to be post-Earth having space flight by 3,000 years. Uh -huh. And this is a callback to Mueller's maybe historical mythology. What? <laughs> Who's Mueller? Is there a, an, Mueller, a real world Mueller? Not that I know of, oh, but, okay. it, but that's the name of the family that Lannick comes from. Yeah. And that was one of the original families on the spaceship that got landed oh. on a planet called Treason. It's really weird to just call it planet Treason. I'm sorry. <laughs> and so, so the reason he calls them Hitler and Himmler is probably why we would name a dog Thor. Because it's never explained. Like, Germany doesn't right, exist. Um, Earth history doesn't exist. Those are the only throwaways. That's so weird. <laughs> yeah. There's some Earth names also in the book, like Israel as a place at some point. Wow. Anderson, Schwartz. Like, different places have these people names. And they're named after these families that were in the spaceship. Sort of, sometimes. Hmm. I mean, I guess that makes a degree of sense. Right. It's like, I guess, you know, pilgrims came to the U.S. Yeah, and named, named everything Jamestown. Jamestown. I think that's what he was going for. Mm. But it becomes confusing and annoying. So he knows that he's being hunted by these assassins. He can't go this direction, that direction. Oh, no, they're going to find him. So he decides to go through the forest of Kukwe. It's this mystical forest that nobody ever walks in and out of and survives. Ah, uh, okay. For, uh, your, your garden variety forest of death. Basically, yeah. Unfortunately, no rats of unusual size, because that would be amusing. Ah. 
So he heads towards Ku Kuei, and nobody will think to search for him that direction because nobody survives the forest of Ku Kuei. He comes to a little cottage. Or Inside someone. is a Scottish shepherdess. <laughs> she has a brogue. I'm not going to try to do her accent. Or not any not of even her a little. No, just a little. Is a wit about an oat and weird. Uh, it yeah, was you're right. so that badly sounds terrible. done. It was so badly done. <laughs> I didn't write down any quotes because she says almost nothing. She dresses him in girls' clothes, hides his pack. And let's loose the horses so that when the soldiers come, mm-hmm. she can claim that Lanik is her daughter. Okay. And he pretended to be a girl by lifting up his chest so she could see that he had boobs. So she thought that he was a girl anyhow. Yeah. So she's just there to be a pit stop. Gives him food, gives him mutton, helps him be safe, and then she gets shot by a soldier. Jesus she- Christ. <laughs> what? Yeah, those two soldiers are hunting him, and he kills them instantly because he's super good. Then he turns around. She's dead with an arrow in her throat. And she's not a Mueller, so she doesn't regenerate. She's dead, dead. No point to any of that. Just lost his horses and gained food. Mission succeeded? (laughs) Well, we've learned that he chops off the soldiers' heads so that they can't regenerate and go back and tell on him. Because that's how you actually kill a Mueller, is you sever their head. So he knows that, but the assassins wouldn't have known that, right? What is the? How does that make any sense? Like they they almost cut his head off anyway. Like right, they cut him from ear to ear. They just half-ass the, the hell spine. out of it. Yeah, because you have to sever the spine and remove the head from the body, so it hmm. can't heal back. So I, mean, I don't know that he should worry about the assassins. I mean, they already had like a perfectly good shot, and they've botched they, it. they botched the hell out of it. Yeah. And apparently they're still hunting him down. Yeah. So the idea is that Dente, the younger brother, is worried that Lanik will come back and murder him, but he still would be disinherited. So it doesn't make any sense. How young is Dente? <laughs> a few years younger than him. So like, I guess supposed to be 12. When I read this, I thought that they were both grown adult men. Yeah, that would make sense if right. they were grown, but it's just this 12-year-old is Machiavellian uh, mm-hmm. plotting his brother's demise. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't write it in my notes because it's utterly unimportant. Mm -hmm. But the king has a new second wife and they call her the turd. And that is the only thing they refer to her. And then she has a curly haired toddler and they call her the turd's child because they hate women. They just they hate her because she's the second wife and the evil stepmother. Like, it's not even create like the whole kingdom calls her the turd, or no, the Dinte and Lanik okay, just the the regular turd, but they're not allowed to do it in front of father, or he'll cut off a leg. Ah, that's like a weapon, I guess. Yeah, their 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 weapon is getting a foot chopped off. Okay, that's cool. I mean, that (laughs) yeah. So he walks through the forest, and it's never nighttime. He walks for days and days and days. He gets tired, he sleeps. But every time he wakes up, it's broad daylight. He finally gets to a lake, figures out how to turn south, but the sun doesn't change direction. Mm-hmm. There's no day or night. It's just very, very deep woods. Mm-hmm. So it made me think of um, kind of like Mirkwood. I don't know if you read like in The Hobbits and Lord yeah, of the Yeah, where they had to like climb up the tree to... 
to see anything yeah. and it's like really thick but also like there's always light coming in mm-hmm. like even like diffuse like yeah, the trees themselves they just can't tell light. where the sun is to get their bearings right so he is the best boy so he survives the forest mm. walks in walks out he survived i mean his powers are basically i mean it, it's kind of just bullshit <laughs> Because, I mean, unless something takes his head off, he literally can't be killed by anything in there unless, I guess, he starves to death. Right. And it's, why would you give your protagonist so much power? Yeah. He's an overpowered hero. Like, automatically, no stakes. Right. It's really frustrating. Yeah. The main character should have been the woman in the cottage who just has this boobed psycho (laughs) trouncing into her house. Followed by assassins. That would have been way more interesting. (laughs) But the story hates women, so can't have that. It also hates blacks. So he gets to the other side of the forest. There's these two soldiers walking along the road. They think that he's a teenage girl, so they try to rape him. And because he's a soldier, he stabs him. But not before finding out from the soldiers that N-words, with hard hard R's, have taken over the countryside, and it's not safe to be a white guy around here no more. Oh, God. (laughs) Jesus Christ. <laughs> this country ain't safe for white boys. Nope. Oh God. Or little white girls because they're getting raped by yeah. these soldiers. Oh, but no, he, he stabs and cuts them up really fast because he has an iron knife and he is the bestest soldier ever. Mm-hmm. So he understands that to mean the Nkumi have uh conquered this area he's in. Mm-hmm. He goes to an inn, still dressed as a woman and pretending to be poor. The innkeepers are weirdly superstitious and religious. He uses that to get, like, bedding and food and pretending to be a poor little girl. And then when he goes to leave, the innkeeper sends the son to walk him up at least to, like, the fork in the road. And he turns and gives the little boy a gold ring and is like, yes, I was poor when I came to you, but I have left... Very wealthy. Here you go, boy. And oh. and is so happy because he's a, he is became an angel in their mythology, basically. <laughs> if you were a 15-year-old boy who had magical powers, I could see you abusing it like that. Yeah, I mean, that... So it shows his maturity level. Yeah. Non-existent. <laughs> Such a weird thing mm-hmm. to want out of this random family you just met mm-hmm. to be... Uh, okay. Yeah. So he gets to the capital, and I think it's the capital of this land area that has been conquered by the Nkumi. Right. He has has wealth in his pockets. He has gold rings, silver rings, a few iron rings. He has, like, things he can use to buy and sell. So he goes into a clothing store and gets dressed up like a whore. (laughs) Very tight, revealing, shiny clothes. Because he is pretending to be an ambassador from the country called Bird to the Nkumi, a land he's never been to, a land he knows nothing about. Right. But it's the only matriarchal society on the entire planet. Uh, okay. So he can pretend to be a woman and expect ha- respect yeah, and power. Okay. He will have status. And if he dresses super slutty and fancy, they'll have to take him as an ambassador. That 
<laughs> well, it's a poorly laid plan. Yeah. He goes out into the street and sees um, soldiers marching by, and he lifts his arm in salute. They grab him, strip him to the waist, and brand him as a whore. Jesus shit. <laughs> he chews him out for damaging the ambassador from Bird, and so the wise black man comes to save him. He's just like cussing these guys out in the street, and his boobs are hanging out. <laughs> yep. Yes. <laughs> But he's so pretty and doesn't have a beard that they think he's a... And and this is to show that the Nkumi are this violent, oppressive conquerors. Because it was fine being a whore on the street three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. But once the Nkumi conquered, they require the whores to be branded. So these evil black men are grabbing these poor white girls and branding them as whores. And that's why they're N-words, according to those soldiers who are running away oh god so this is how we meet the inkumi so is the is the author okay with whores but not black people Uh, he's not really okay with women so that's about the only thing they can do unless they're your girlfriend like in this story there's only a couple women characters total at all so you're either a wife or a whore Pretty much. Or both, I guess. We do meet a woman pretty soon, and she is sort of the exception. She is the evil bad guy. Oh, okay. (laughs) Sort of, but she also has the wife horror thing. Damn it. (laughs) Forgot about that. Okay, anyway. So, Lannick is rescued by the wise black man who is named Teacher. And he says, my poor, stupid soldiers didn't realize you, a woman could be an ambassador. But I know Bird is a matriarchal society, so I believe you. I will take you to our capital to meet our king. So they go into a carriage and they ride for days and days mm-hmm. to the Nkumi capital. So not the little place where they had been. They go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And um, do you remember Lothlorien from Lord of the Rings, where it's like up in the trees and the elves like live yeah. in like a big treehouse kind of thing? Yeah, that was. Uh, oh gosh, I can't remember. It was Legolas's family, Galadriel. Yeah, and, um, yeah. Um, that's basically what the capital of Enkumi is, but it's just inhabited by very tall black people. So they are noble savages who run up and down trees and they came down from the trees with iron and just started ruthlessly conquering all the white countries around them. And they had just been content in their trees and something changed. Mm -hmm. So he's there to try to understand. Suss out where their new source of iron is coming from. Right. Mm -hmm. But he has breasts. And so he introduces himself as Lady Lark. From Bird, because we're creative. Yeah, very creative. <laughs> he gets taken around and finally introduced to Mwabeo Mawa, who is a tall, handsome, well, she's actually described as very ugly black woman. Oh, Jesus. But she okay. has a lot of power. And the suspicion is that she's the power behind the throne, able to speak to the king, and no one else is able to. Mm-hmm. So he lives in her house, in the tree house for weeks Mm -hmm. so they have like rope ladders and swings and like they all these huge tall trees have been kind of like grown so that it's like a city up 
in the top of the trees. Oh, it's like Endor. Oh, was I saying the wrong place name? Not Lothlorien. Uh, Endor is Star Wars. Oh, where's Endor? I don't remember. Isn't that where the, that the uh, Ewoks? Ewoks? Yeah. Yeah. Like they just got like a big tree house. Uh, so kind some... of, but think. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, but think three. Th- how many? He said like three hundred meters in the sky. Hmm. So it's like six hundred feet up. Like I guess that'd be about what sixty stories high so you walk up trunks and limbs and they interconnect and you jump from this branch to that branch and then there's the main trunk that's so wide around you can't walk around it all the way like it's it's oh so they're huge forest capital city yeah that's up in the sky and it's all these trees all joined together like very closely grown together okay so you can go from one side of the capital to the other without ever leaving the tree leaving the tree yes so That's kind of neat. The city itself is actually pretty interesting. Yeah. And of course, Lanik doesn't know how to walk on trees, so he's silly and falls and gets scared, and they make fun of him. Ha ha. Mm-hmm. But he becomes very good at walking on them very quickly because he's the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, he learns from Mawa that to defecate, you just grab a branch and swing out and poop over open air. <laughs> there's a video where someone does that they're just taking like a tire swing or what? just a rope over a creek and uh <laughs> they're swinging out and just <laughs> shit through their shorts and just like rapid fires out into the <laughs> creek as they're swinging out <laughs> uh, just a very fun very funny mental image it's not very pragmatic at all either what you mean like anytime you gotta go take a dump or anything like that you gotta find a vine you can't just you just gotta run off the side and yeah well it's like they have the areas of the houses where they know there's nobody living beneath them so they can just defecate and it just falls down to their earth at some point I guess so. So wait, at what point did he cross by all the piles of shit? Yeah, that's not addressed. (laughs) And then they have two basins of rainwater that they collect from the leaves. And one basin is for washing your hand and your butt. And the other one is for drinking. So it's implied, but not said that one hand is for one and one hand is for the other. Mm -hmm. You know who else creates an entirely new planet just to be equally racist on (laughs) elon musk (laughs) no Uh, we don't want your advertising dollars here's an ad for twitter (laughs) formerly known as x Hello, Biblio freaks, geeks, and lovers. Bugs here with a couple of notes. We have a Patreon where every month we focus on a bad book, bad movie combo. Please leave comments and suggestions on our Facebook page or email us at biblioreks at gmail.com. That's spelled B-I-B-L-I-O-W-R-E-C-K-S at gmail.com. We are on all the socials at Bibliorex. Thank you so much for being here, and I hope you are enjoying these bad books as much as we are. So he lives there, and he keeps trying to speak to the king. And he keeps getting the bureaucratic red tape, and they just laugh at him and grin at him, and there's no way for him to actually follow diplomatic channels because their customs are different. Mm -hmm. The men have titles, like Teacher of True Sight, Woodcarver who taught the tree to color its wood, 
and seeker who saw the cold sea and brought it home in a bucket. But women and children and dogs have names because nothing they do could be important. <laughs> yeah, women don't do anything. <laughs> Which is my why Mwabeo Mawa is named and Lanik is named Lark. Okay. So it's really difficult to tell coming into this if the Nkumi are meant to be seen as like truly villainous or just were enemies, you know, because yeah. there can be a difference. Well, we learn that the Inkumi are a communist society where everyone is fed and no one uses money. But that's not exactly true because you can ask Spoon Carver for a spoon and he'll say, yes, yes, I'll give you a spoon. But he'll have forgotten or been busy doing something else yeah. or he'll tell you come back next week. And until you do him a favor or mm. give him a gold ring, he won't actually have a spoon for you. Uh. So there is trade and money and wealth, but yeah. it's only for the people who have. And everyone else is just poor and gets given barely enough food to sustain themselves. Mm. So people who are stupid or disabled or dumb have very little and they're just poor mm. and sad. So he sets them up as basically the evil Russians. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I didn't expect any good sentiments about anything socialist uh, coming from this, especially being written in the 80s or 70s. Right. It's just, it's just the way it's written is so confusing because I'm coming into it not thinking that the Nkumi are bad and not taking them as bad, but then all of these descriptions are, oh, this is so horrible. Oh, these people are so awful. Oh, how do they live this way? And it's like, dude, you came from a place that has black slaves. Yeah. How can you justify your own yeah behavior. how are you gonna look at this and be disgusted how come you the capitalist slaver is good but these the communist black people in mm -hmm. the tree are bad and it's because they have a lot of iron and they're using it to kill people and take over the world mm. you know why that's bad because it's not the white people because doing it it's not the mullers doing yeah. it the Mueller's want all the iron to make all the all of the swords to go conquer everyone. Right. They have been conquering kingdoms for all these hundreds of years. That was louder than the buzz of your phone, man. <laughs> uh, for the listeners, what happened? Uh, my phone buzzed, and whenever that happens while we're recording, I'll just fling it across the room. <laughs> 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 and this time I, I hit I hit the trash bag. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Okay, so uh, to quote, um, the society claims to not use money, but in Nukami, everything belonged to everyone and no money was used because nobody paid. But I learned everybody was paid. I could go to Spoon Carver and ask for a spoon and he would agree, but forget or be too busy and never have a spoon for me. Until I did a favor for him. Um, so Lanik uses his gold rings as favors to go up the bureaucratic ladder and finally gets to see the one closest to the king. Lo and behold, it was Mwabeo Mawa all along. Wow. And she was keeping Lark in her room because all the other ambassadors were men and you couldn't put Lark in with the men. Uh. And Lanik has been having to like be really discreet and weird about like not dress not sleeping naked which is what they do and not 
defecating in front of other people and like, oh, it's just the custom of my people. We're so modest. Ha ha. <laughs> uh, it's just it's just some random weird stuff. Right. So Mawa has this thing where he sing- she sings morning song and evening song, and it's like described as like the most beautiful song and so powerful and so beautiful and it's just kind of this random thing that's like her power but she also is like where all of the smart people gather Mm -hmm. and they come and talk about stuff so she's like the center of power in the capital so lanik is like speaking to her and goes like from this place to that place to this place to that place and then circles all the way around and it's mala who is closest to the king Mm. she has the hots for lanik and wants to have sex with lady lark so he is terrified of this very big black lesbian who is going to find out his secret (laughs) oh no (laughs) (laughs) the most terrifying thing in the world a large black lesbian (laughs) (laughs) oh god Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine that being some guy's <laughs> nightmare back in the back in the seventies. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, Lanet tries to do so. Okay, so it's this throwaway line, and later you find out it's important. Mm. Be- um, Mawa. I'm just going to call her Mala. That's fine. Has this magical singing ability where she can subtly change her body shape and her voice. And she says, I can be a man and to you if that is what you like. And she has facial hair and like feels and sounds like a man. But that still upsets him because he's not into men (laughs) and he doesn't want his penis to be found out. The second scariest thing, a large black man, a large gay black man. Uh, This story really likes to have its cake and eat it too. Yes, it does. So he pretends that people from Bird have to have a cleansing ritual before they can have sex. That's his escape. Why can't you just know? Because he really wants to have sex with her too. Because he's a boy and likes girls, even right. though she's a scary black lesbian. <laughs> and he feels like, oh, if I say no, I will never get to see the king. Oh, no, what do I do? So it's like, no, I have to purify myself. I must be locked away for a day and a night. So he goes and hides in Mawa's library to do his ritual purification thing. Instead, he spends time reading all of her books. And he figures out the history of the Nkumi. Mm-hmm. And they are physicists who sell futuristic space technology to the ambassadors to get iron. Futuristic space technology? What? Like, they sold the ability to travel faster than light to the ambassador to get iron. Because the head of the Nkumi was a physicist. So all of the people who live in Nkumi are physicists who can make things change and the reality change. And that's why the man who could make the wood change its color, that's a technology they developed. And they sold it to the ambassador. Uh, uh, Doesn't that seem a little more valuable than iron? Really? Truly, yes. Like light speed? 
you could go to somewhere that just has iron. They don't have plastics in this world. This is the thing that really bothers me. I mean, everything bothers me. But this is the thing. (laughs) This world uses glass, wood, and stone Mm -hmm. for all of its technology. They don't use plastics. They don't use oil. They don't use... I mean, there's plenty of minerals, apparently. They're Mm -hmm. just not metal, not hard metals. They have gold. They have silver. They have all these other things. Wait, so they have other metals? It's just Mm -hmm. not... Just specifically no iron, not iron. So they can't get yeah, steel. Yeah, you did say rings. From the ambassador, they get aluminum, iron, and bronze. Which, I don't think aluminum and, and bronze are that hard of a metal. <laughs> you can use them I mean, to make technology, but surely if you yeah. could make plastics or other technology, you could make it into space faster than gathering iron to build a spaceship yeah how are they sacrificing like are they sacrificing like their know-how they're writing it down in books and putting the books in the ambassador so they still retain the information they don't lose it that is insane like they they should have already been ruling the world yeah all they gotta do is be able to produce paper which they've got trees they have trees yeah there's nothing wrong they this all it has you just need to and... focus like however much of your spare population that isn't working on food and stuff mm-hmm. and just having them copy the original text and just a constant cycle of just dumping that in well and the thing is they're shown to be using bird netting to capture birds and that's what they eat they literally eat little roasted birds like savages over a fire huh but they have sold faster than speed or faster than light speed space travel to the ambassador and all of these other fantastic inventions. That's why I kind of say it's a very odd noble savage because what they have has to be super valuable yeah. for them to acquire all this iron. But they're also very primitive because they live in a tree and they eat little birds caught from a net and defecate over the side of a tree. That. It makes no sense. Makes no sense. Like they've got all of this technological know-how that they've been developing for three thousand years, right? And they can't think of a better way to indoor plumbing. Yeah, indoor plumbing. Hand soap, hand sanitizer. How are they taking over these other countries? Because they don't have guns. No, they have iron that they turn into swords. And all of these pathetic poor people that they don't give food to are their soldiers because they're communists. So they just send all of their excess population with iron swords Uh, to go wipe everyone else out. And no one else has iron swords or they have very few, very little. Everyone else fights with like glass tipped arrows, wooden swords, which I mean, wooden swords are a thing. Yeah. Um, I guess that does harken back to Russia a bit. mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, these people are so poor and so sad they'll go be soldiers because there's nothing else for them to do. They're not. I mean, really it's either that us. or go to another country and be a slave. Right. Because if they get, uh, you know, conquered by someone else, that's mm-hmm. just what's going to happen. Yeah. So back to Lanik. He's in the library reading all this stuff and makes this discovery. They're selling stuff and 
there's no way you can, you, you can't steal that. Mm-hmm. You can't, that's not, knowing this isn't really a, of benefit right. to his dad. Yeah, they can't use it. They can't use it. They don't have the brains. <laughs> they're too busy. <laughs> Cousin fucking to read physics texts. <laughs> What's a Rosenbridge? <laughs> Hold on, I gotta go see my sister. Uh, oh, I can't. I have to imagine the Mueller's uh, all with West Virginian accents. Oh my god! So that—that's what the main character is going to be now. That would not be a problem at all. <laughs> so while he's reading these books and hiding out, spies from Bird show up and reveal that Lannick is not actually a spy or uh-huh. not actually an ambassador from Bird. Mm. He gets grabbed and taken prisoner, but it takes five people to knock him out because he's course. so amazing. Yeah. So they take him to the very, very, very tippy, tippy top of the tree where branches are like very thin. And they put glass manacles around his wrists and suspend him from like two branches with ropes so that if he wiggles, it cuts his wrists mm-hmm. and he can't stand and he can't sit down and it's just torture. And if he falls off, he'll fall in the shit. Yeah. (laughs) 3,000 meters into shit. Uh. (laughs) So people are watching him, and he figures out that when there's the torrential rain that comes every day, the soldiers, the people watching him just go into a little hut to avoid the rain, Mm. and they don't pay attention. And because he can regrow things, he just cuts off his pinky fingers with the manacles and uses the rope to swing down and escape. Mm. Like, why couldn't he just, like, with the manacles, like, go ahead and just cut off his hands because he can regrow them and then fall into the shit? He thinks that if he falls too far, he will die. For whatever reason, he can regrow all his other things, survive everything else, but he is desperate to get to the bottom of the tree without falling. Arbitrary, but okay. Arbitrary, bizarre, dumb. Hmm. So I'm going to skip for you. 10 pages of climbing, dodging, fighting, maneuvering, hiding from the Nkumi because he is just so clever and so strong Mm. that it takes being disemboweled before he is actually slowed down. Oh, my God. He comes, goes out on a bird net, he gets away, and he is sawing off the Nkumi's arm, but the Nkumi is gutting him at the same time. So he is coming down off the tree with his guts pouring out of his belly, and he's trying to hold them in. (laughs) But he makes it to the bottom of the tree (laughs) ten pages later and escapes. There are still no stakes. Not really. So he hides in a thicket, goes to the river, drinks water. The water pours out of his gut. Goes and crawls into the thicket, sleeps some more. It, some of it heals. Mm-hmm. And the Nkumi are used to being in trees, so they're so bad at reading ground sign that they just walk past his bloody what? path at the river and completely miss him. No. That... What? Yeah, they don't know how to read sign in on yeah, the ground you, at you all. You can't put together, like, basic reason. No. Like, even if, that, if, even if it's a you person that's never touched the ground. You can't see a mangled thicket 
and a pie and a and a trail of blood from a river. Well, I can't put these two things together. I guess we'll just go on. I don't know why that mud is bright red. <laughs> I don't know why I hear a man crying and screaming in the woods. <laughs> I don't know why I see these boob, these boobs sticking out of this thicket. <laughs> so he goes back and forth between the water and the thicket mm. for days. Right. Drinking water, going back. He dreams that he's holding a crying boy. But when he wakes up, it wasn't a dream. Radical regenerative. I could heal anything, and when half my guts were torn away, my body couldn't decide which was the real me. Oh my god. So it healed both halves, and I stood looking into the eyes of my perfect duplicate, who smiled timidly at me like a stupid but sweet-tempered child. I would not live with two of me. So he uses a rock to cut them apart and bashes its brains in until it's dead. What is that for? This is a key plot point, Bam Bam. This is vital. What does this do for the story except bother me? He is the only radical regenerative in all of history to duplicate himself. And it upsets him so badly, he takes a rock and beats its head in. <laughs> like you just spawn a child of yourself and you're like oh. And apparently within the week of him in the thicket it is man sized. It is his 15-year-old body sized. And he is emaciated because they're both have like ribs and bones sticking out. They're gaunt, but he still have his honking bazoongas. Does the clone have No, the clone is is perfect. <laughs> the clone is male and Aslanic should have been. But it's him and it's his perfect mirror image. So oh it God. has to die. <laughs> That's so bizarre. Yeah. Like your first impulse is just, well, murder. one of us is, I got to kill this thing. This looks like me. I need to murder it. <laughs> it has my perfect blue eyes. There's probably something Freudian about that, but I don't read enough psychology anymore to be able to figure that one out so his guts are healed except for the part that he cut out his clone and he walks down river until he gets to a port he swims on a log out to a ship and they pick him up and say yeah man overboard we'll save ya why aren't his uh, honking bazongas used as flotation devices he has no clothing. He's naked. And his boobs are just boobily there. And they're just sagging. They're just sagging. He's having a saggy day. He's having a saggy, sad day. But they pull him aboard and they're like, well, are you a boy or a girl? And he says, um, both? Because he's naked. Mm-hmm. I just escaped from an Nkumi prison camp. My God, what are those bastards doing to prisoners these days? <laughs> <laughs> let them think what they want is that how he gets away with it that's how he gets away with it yeah they did this to me, <laughs> they, did this to me. <laughs> they gave me boobs or a penis which whichever one yeah. you would assume whichever yeah <laughs> so they're like well that makes it hard for me to know how to price you Okay. They're slavers. Okay. They decide he's going to be a slave. So they throw him in the hold and he's locked up in a little prison cell. Mm. 
I mean, there's nothing morally wrong in this world's system. Oh, he's upset. Oh, I'm this sure is he morally is. morally wrong to him. Yeah. How dare they go around stealing people? Stealing white him. people. Stealing white, pretty <laughs> intersex people or something. <laughs> so he thought he was being rescued. Right. And instead, he's being hauled across the world to this other continent to be sold in a circus. Mm-hmm. You know who won't sell you across the world to a circus? Uh... <laughs> I want to do the Robert Evans bit, but I'm not going to. Oh my God. These sponsors. Well, I think that's a good place to stop for today. Yes, because past us didn't realize that this was t- going to take freaking forever. Yeah, we did three <laughs> hours of recording and one ad pivot. Yeah, so I had thought it would be one episode. This is us returning later saying hi, and um, we hope you come back for part two of three in a couple of weeks. Mm. Thank you, Jay. Thank you, Lily, for letting me borrow Bam Bam. And thank you to our listeners. And please email us and let us know what you think of this truly insane book. Yeah, and uh, by all means, suggest other books for us to read. Because otherwise, we're just going to pick horrible, horrible things to read. (laughs) They're going to get worse every month. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, They get progressively worse. I just realized we've gotten to... Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways. Tease, tease. Bye. (laughs)